Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Today, we're having a Pokemon party. So the kids out there, they're going to do loads of Pokemon stuff. They're going to have loads and loads of toys. They're just, they're going to, it's going to be like Christmas for them. They're going to be so confused what time of the year it is because we've just got tons and tons of good stuff they're going to love and, and have a great time. But we're going to talk about Pokemon as well just because every now and then, like, it's just like, check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's like, they're going to do Pokemon. I could do something totally different. I thought, no, I know nothing about Pokemon. So I should totally speak on Pokemon um, because people will listen online and complain like, what the hell are you talking about? That makes no sense. So we're going to give it a go, and we're going to see how I can translate the gospel into Pokemon. Should be fun. So it all starts with this tale of two trainers, two trainers. So there is this legendary trainer out in the wilderness, and this guy is weird. This guy is totally weird. He's unlike any other trainer. There are trainers all over the town, all over Jerusalem, all over Israel. And all of them are invested inside of a, of a significant, influential institution of power within their society. But this one guy, instead of being a part of that system and trying to change it from within, he does something which no one's really ever done before within their culture, within their time, within their setting. He, he goes rogue. He leaves all their institution. He becomes known as John the Dipper, because when you ch- translate baptizo in Greek, it means to dip. We call him John the Baptist, but he's John the Dipper. And he's called this because he's not this guy who invented baptism. So often when Christians talk about John the Baptist, they talk about him like he's the guy who who came up with it. Like, oh, let's just dip people in water. And they talk about it like it's a Christian tradition. Baptism isn't a Christian tradition. It's a Jewish tradition. So in John the Baptist, John the Dipper's time, aka sick Pokemon trainer, they were dipping people into their different sects, their different denominations, their different groups within the Jewish tradition. And so people would go to one synagogue or one ecclesia, one church, and they would go there and they would be baptized into that group and into that teaching. And they would come under that particular rabbi's authority and see it through his eyes and his worldview. And they'd be baptized in that tradition. Now what John the Dipper did was he looked at all of that. He wanted to see change and also his His mission statement wasn't lighting up our world so that people far from God could find life in Christ. It was pretty close to that. His mission statement was um, prepare and make straight the path for the Lord, the way of the Lord. Make straight the way of the Lord. And so when we look at that, we see like a really kind of spiritual saying, but actually it's a typical saying of their time. He's being really intelligent and really clever with what he's saying because what would happen is dignitaries would walk down a street. And as dignitaries would walk down the street, the way their roads were, was their roads would get into disrepair really quickly. So you couldn't go, oh, we know the Queen's coming here, so a couple months in advance, let's like fix up this road, let's make this road really nice, let's make it all smooth, let's get all this going, and then she can just walk down the road and it'll look great. What would happen was they would make straight the road and they would make it as nice as they can for the dignitary as they would pass, just before they would pass, And that was a part of their thing. So what John the Baptist says is he says that he is about making straight the way of the Lord. So his disciples are meeting out in the wilderness. And the reason for that is John is going to say a lot of things. He's going to bring up a lot of issues, talk about things in their society, talk about things that the powers that be are not going to want because they're going to want to keep control and keep power over the masses. So what he does, he starts going out into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, John the Baptist is teaching 
of reform and that one is coming whose sandals he will not be fit to lace. He's saying there is a Pokemon trainer coming who is going to who I'm not going to be worthy of tying this guy's laces on his shoes. He's going to be so above and beyond anything we could dream or imagine, and he's going to bring that to the table. But what he says is something that actually catches on, because you see, what he does is the whole of society are really frustrated with how things are. It's a bit like today in, in our society, people are very frustrated with the political establishment, so they start moving towards someone like Corpse, because... He's, he's so far out there with his views and his opinions. The difference between Jeremy Corbyn and John the Baptist is Jeremy Corbyn can be bought, regardless of what you say. There's pressure within his party, his own party are fighting against him. And so now the man who's the man of the people is now his party are looking at a soft Brexit, which isn't Brexit. It's staying in everything, but not having a vote in it. That's all that is. So you may as well just completely stay. Losing the right to vote within the European Union, but living by everything else would be a disaster for those who actually voted for what they voted for. So he can be bought. John the Baptist can't be bought because he's gone out to the wilderness to start his movement. So who can shift a guy who's out in the wilderness? You can't shift him, you can't change him, you can't own him, you can't make him say anything. So he's preparing this way and the message he gives filters out and the people buy into it. They buy into it en masse and it loses him his head. John the Baptist is beheaded because of the problem to the establishment and the powers that be. But we know the people took his mission on board because when Jesus enters into Jerusalem for, before Passover, as he's walking in, everyone is making straight the way of the Lord. They're all laying down palm branches and leaves all over the road because they're like, oh yeah, John said this guy was coming. He's coming. And they start laying it down as a sign just before he enters in. So John's message was really, really effective. So then John had like a group of um, trainers that he trained up. He had his own disciples. He had people that he was training in the ways that he would do things. And actually probably the most underrated guy in the whole of the New Testament is one of John's trainers that he taught how to roll, how to do things. And that guy's name was Andrew. Andrew is the most underrated disciple, 110%. Like if you remove Andrew from the Gospels, what you end up with is, is an unbelievably different trajectory. And today, although the Gospel narrative won't say loads of stuff about Andrew, he'll appear three times in John's Gospel and the others, his name is in lists, and it seems like he does absolutely nothing. Andrew is probably one of the most key influences in the whole of the New Testament because what he does is Andrew was a disciple of John the Dipper and he was out in the wilderness and brought completely into it. Now when we read on to the other parts of the story, we seem to have this illusion that a number of disciples met Jesus for the first time, left their businesses and followed him. And that's not what happens. That isn't what happens at all. Because when the Gospels are being written, when you look at them, you're reading it at cold, not knowing all the information that's already there. The writer himself is writing everything down from a key point of information he takes for granted. But when you look at the chronological order across all the different Gospels, you start to see a different picture. What you see is Andrew, whose brother is Peter, one day in Matthew's Gospel early on, introducing Peter to Jesus, and Jesus just takes one look at him and goes, oh, no, 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 you're not a Simon, you are totally a Peter. That's what he does. And that's a key verse because what happens in the Old Testament is people had one name and someone with authority would change their name. And so for Jesus to be able to change Peter's name and Peter not go, nah fam, it's Simon. Like, stuff yourself, mate. Like, on your ones, on your bike. 
That's what would happen if he didn't have authority over you. But if you submit to him, you go along with it. So when Jesus, in the first introduction in Matthew's gospel, is meeting Peter for the first time with Andrew that we read of, he could have met him even before then, he goes, no, man, you're not a Simon. You're a Peter. You're a rock, man. You're a Peter. And when he doesn't reject that, it kind of gives you the message he's a disciple of Jesus. So at that point, he's a disciple. But being a disciple within the Jewish system didn't mean you had to give up your way of life and your work and everything to be a disciple. But there were those who were called to do so. What we see with Peter isn't this cold call of like him just ditching his fishing business at the moment he gets the most fish he's ever caught in his life. We see a guy who's been on a journey with Jesus, but that journey is only made possible through Andrew. So Andrew, being the disciple of John, who's preparing, making straight the path of the Lord for Jesus, he switches from John, goes over to Jesus because John said, it isn't about me, I'm decreasing, he must increase. So Andrew starts following him with one other disciple of John and Andrew straight away goes to Peter and says, hey Peter, man, it's time. You heard what John was saying out in the wilderness. Well, guess what? This guy's come from the wilderness as well and this guy's totally the Messiah and you've got to get in on this. So Peter is in and around it. And that's why when Jesus is preaching one day in an area where Peter's been fishing, the boats are there and Jesus walks over and he's like, Peter, can I jump in your boat? It's not a cold call, can I use your boat? It's not a cold call to some random fisherman that's never seen him before. Like, oh yeah, you can get in my boat. I will push out after working all night. Yeah, no, no worries. That's not what happens. He knows him already fairly well. He knows him well at this point because Andrew is his disciple and Peter and Andrew are brothers. And so at this point, he's introduced him to the rest of Peter's gang. So there's Peter's there. There's also James and John. They're in that vicinity. They're around together. James and John, uh, the sons of Zebedee, which translates as sons of thunder. So you've got a biker gang uh, in Gennesaret at this moment. And so at this point, Jesus is picking up his first... He's been out in the wilderness, and he's taken from John Andrew, which is kind of like um, a rock and ground type Pokemon. And now he's collecting his water Pokemon over here with Peter, James, and John. Yeah, done, no, didn't see that one coming, did you? Take that, take that. So what we're going to follow now is we're going to follow those steps. So Jesus is kind of catching these guys in these places, but Pokemon is all about evolution. Pokemon is all about evolution. So what you have is you have a baby Pokemon, and then it becomes a normal Pokemon, then it becomes level one, level two. And what we're going to follow today is we're going to follow some of Peter's evolution. So what happens is the first time Jesus meets Peter, he changes his name and goes like, no, man, you're not a son. You're totally a Peter. You're a rock. At that moment, Peter changes from a baby Pokemon to a normal Pokemon. He is now Peter. There's the name change. With the Pokemon, as well as the name changes, they level up. So he's not Simon anymore. He's now Peter. And then what happens for level one is there's this next step that as he's spending this time with Jesus, a number of things happen. So Jesus doesn't have 12 disciples. He has about 72 disciples. And they're following him out and about. And Jesus has said some crazy stuff about um, eating his flesh, drinking his blood. And people are like, whoa, hold up, wait a minute. Let me put some Jesus in it. I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm feeling this, like this seems a little bit different. He's relating to the whole Passover meal and that he's the Lamb of God and all that stuff, but they're listening to it literally. And these guys go, who can stomach this? I'm done, I'm not a cannibal. That's not what I signed up to be. Rags, see you later, bro. And then they leave. And then Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, hey guys, are you guys going too? And this is where Peter does one of two things that helps him level up to level one. He turns to Jesus and he says, you hold the words of truth and of life. Where else? am I going to go? You hold the words of truth and life. Where else am I going to go? And then the second time is Jesus says to him, 
who do you say that I am? And Peter's response to that question was, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia, which is crazy because it's all started out in the wilderness as this rogue organization that John has prepared everyone for, got people feeling so they'll switch allegiance. And now Jesus is saying, it's time to build the actual ecclesia. It's time to build the actual collective of people. And so at that point, Peter levels up to level one Pokemon. He is, he is a, he's, a, he's nearly an OG in the game. He's nearly an OG in the game. But along the way, as what happens with everything in Pokemon, no one just wins and wins and wins and wins and wins. Everyone has a few losses. And in life, everyone has losses. If you think you're gonna go through life never experiencing loss, never experiencing um, being disheartened, um, broken, and, and downright depressed and disillusioned and lose it all, then you're wrong, because you will. We, we all have experiences like that. And for Peter, he has a few of these moments. He's really believing Jesus is the Messiah, but when Jesus starts to tell him what that means and that he's going to die, Peter starts going, hold, hold on, Jesus. Wait a minute. This, this isn't where it goes. This isn't how it's going to be. And then Jesus' response to that is, get behind me, Satan. And that was, that was a cutting moment that could stop Peter from going to level two. That was not a great moment in Peter's evolution. That was a pretty much a downward one. But then later on, he also has the next thing. So he hasn't really learned from this. He's also been a part of some bickering on the inside about who's the greatest. He wants to be the number one dog. And Jesus keeps saying to him, it's about being the servant, Peter. It's not about that. Peter gets in a half that he's not going to be number one dog because when they get to the Passover meal, they're sitting at a U-shaped table. And the way the seating arrangements are, Jesus is sitting next to James and John either side of him, which means uh, uh, John and Judas. And Judas has the best seat in the house. Peter's vexed. He's stuck on the other side in the worst seat, which is the boy's seat where the servant comes around and washes the feet. No one's washed anyone's feet because Peter's fuming that he's not the greatest in the kingdom, that it looks like Judas and John are. He's thinking, why the heck is Judas? I get John. He's my boy from day from the fishing and that. I get it. But why, what's this pagan waste man doing at the right over there, but in the best seat? So he's fuming. And then Jesus has to get up because he won't get up and starts washing everyone's feet and does it right from where he's sitting all the way around to Peter, at which point Peter's completely distraught. Once again, you ain't getting to level two like that, fam. And then after that, when Jesus takes him in the core group to go and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, and when people come to, the Roman pagan soldiers come to arrest Jesus, um, they, they, Peter goes, rags us on and cuts the guy's ear off. Once again, missing level two, slow learner. Not getting it at this point. You are never going to be evolving like that, Peter. And then after that, Jesus, he's had the whole conversation with him about denying him and the whole death thing. And he's, he's said, no, I'll never leave you. These waste men, they'll all leave you, but not me. I'm with you to the end. I'll die with you and all that kind of stuff. And then it comes to Jesus being taken away. And then Peter denies him three times. We know the story. Once again, Jesus, never leveling up to level two like that. You're going to be stuck at level one for a long time. But Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And so what happens is there is one battle to catch them all. There is one battle that takes place to catch them all. And so Jesus goes to the cross. And when he lost all his disciples because he talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and they freaked out and were like, nah, man, I'm not a cannibal. Sorry about that, fam. I'm out of here. I'm done with this thing. Forget it. You know where you can shove your whole messiahdom. I'm, down, I'm not down with this. He was talking about what would take place. So when we look back at Egypt and we look back at Passover, Jesus on the day of, before the day of Passover, having his meal with his disciples, breaks the bread and says, this is my body broken for you. He pours the wine and says, this is my blood of the covenant, the promise poured out for you and for many. And what happens is he goes to the cross 
and he, 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 he dies on the cross and he, he rises again back to life in the Christian tradition and it's, it's this very battle that takes place where it looks like the greatest trainer of all time loses. It looks like the greatest trainer of all time is done. This rabbi is finished, it's over, he's gone and then he raises from the dead and this is where Peter hits level two. This is where Peter levels up. Jesus meets with him and he says, he says to the, the, the ladies at the tomb, go get the lads together, I want to meet with them. And he comes and he meets with them. And the conversation that he has with Peter when he speaks to him in season is he asks him the question, do you love me, Peter? And there's different words in the, in, in the Greek language for love. And so Jesus says, do you love me? Because Peter had been talking about how much he loved him and he'd never leave him. And then Peter feels ashamed now and he says, like, I love you as in like a gesture, like I blow a kiss or I like high five, man. I feel you, bro. I feel you. Jesus is going, do you love me for everything you are? Peter's like, I feel you, bro. And then Jesus is like, okay, well, this is, this is for you. This, 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 this is going to be small time. Maybe we can't do this whole building this church thing. Maybe you're not that guy. And then he says to him, do you love me? And then Peter again, Jesus is saying, fully love me, fully in, everything there, no holding back, no holds bars, love. And Peter is like, still like, yeah, bro, fist pump. Whoa, yeah, great to see you, man. How you doing? Whoa. And then Jesus is like, one more time, do you love me with everything you are? And Peter says, you know that I love you and just breaks down. And then Jesus tells him to look after the sheep. The, the plan is still the plan. And he needed to pull out of Peter this, this wrong attitude, this wrong way of seeing things and release him from that, that he could evolve to be the one that he would be, to be the rock that Jesus would build his church upon, to be someone that would be used by Jesus to catch and to train up many, many, many others. How does this reflect on you and me? Well, it reflects on me and you like this, is that sometimes in life, you don't always get dealt the nicest cards. Sometimes in life, it doesn't go all plain sailing. It never went plain sailing for Peter, which is why I choose to look at his evolution and his progression because actually I feel that sometimes with Christians they take a few steps forward and then they either they screw up or stuff happens to them they take a few steps back and they're like oh I'm done and, and, and they're kind of gone whereas actually just because you take a few steps back just because you screw a few things up the thing with Jesus is he still wants to level you up he still wants to grow you he still wants to invest in you he still wants to use you he doesn't write you off he never does if he did I would be written off I would be gone I would be written off before anyone in this room would be written off I would be totally written off but what he does is he forgives and he empowers and the question I believe Jesus is asking us is I believe he wants us to level up. I believe he wants us to get more involved in what is he wants to do in his kingdom. I believe he wants us to serve him. I believe he wants us to give to the mission. I believe he wants us to, to shine bright in our communities. I believe he wants us to be a part of building his church just in the same way he wanted Peter to be. But that only happens when we're willing to be like Jesus and step into the one battle to catch them all. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin itself. And sin is dealt with. And what he wants us to be, he wants us to be a part of that mission of reconciliation and restoration to all things and all people. And today, I want to encourage you that you could be in all sorts of places. You could feel like you're in the wilderness. You could feel like you're in a dead-end job that you don't want to be in anymore. You could feel like you're a bit of a failure. You could feel like you've got it wrong. You could feel like you've totally screwed it up. The point is, every one of those stages Jesus has his eyes fixed on Peter and calling him forward and evolving him to the next stage. And I believe that's the same for every single one of us today. I'm going to pray for us. 
Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us. I thank you that with Peter, he was a guy that got it wrong so many times and got it right so many times, but he was a mixed bag. We're all mixed bags. We get things right, we get things wrong, but I believe you call us to be a part of the mission. I believe you gave your life so that you could catch them all. I believe you gave your life for that goal, for that mission, and I believe you call us to be a part of it, to be influencers in our spheres of influence, to use us with our friends, with our families, with our communities, to love, to serve, and to reach out. And I just pray you be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. really hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london